I've had writers where the piece was going to be done in three months, which is a generous amount of right. and it was nine months. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back with another edition of the podcast, and we have another exciting guest on today. He is a direct mail specialist. And he has co-authored many books with some of the people that I've uh, learned from. And his latest one is called The Advertising Solution with Brian Kurtz and Craig Simpson. Welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, being on your show today and get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, you know, you're somebody I've heard about for quite a few years. Uh, when I got started in copywriting, I heard your name sort of bounced around a bit. I've read some of the books you've co-authored with uh, Dan Kennedy. Yep. And uh, it, it's interesting that sort of uh, to put a voice, and in this case, a face, because I have the book in front of me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a person that you've just sort of heard about for a while and sort of uh, you're mixing around in the same circles. So maybe uh, like we like to do, uh, start from the sort of your uh, humble beginnings and sort sure. of give us the, the trajectory of how you arrived at where you're at today. Sure. You know, uh, I got into marketing a really interesting way. Uh, I was about, uh, I think I was about 18 years old, and I had built this 20-foot high fake rock climbing wall in my parents' backyard. I was still living at home. I was really into rock climbing. And so I scraped together a few nickels and dimes and I built this, you know, everything I had, I built this, this rock climbing wall. And when I was done building it, I had no money left to, to buy the little fake holds that you bolt on the wall and climb up. <laughs> and so I started messing around with some different polyester resins and sand and I found a formula that made these really cool fake rock climbing holds. And so my buddies came over and they climbed on the wall after I had made these holds and everyone loved them. And they said, Craig, you should start selling these. And so... I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try selling these fake rock climbing holes. Well, I went into business for myself at 18, 19 years old, making these fake rocks. And of course, you know, I had to market the business. So I started testing all these different types of marketing. I tried magazine ads and uh, you know, print campaigns. And, and yeah, of course, I tried direct mail. And my first direct mail campaign, I wrote this letter and I put a brochure in with it and I mailed it off to like 250 people. And I sat by the phone and I thought, man, the phone's going to ring off the hook because I just smelled all these people. It's going to be amazing, right? That's not how we feel when we do stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. We think, oh, we've got the best campaign in the world. So I sat by my phone and uh, it didn't ring one time. I mean, it weeks went by and I was so discouraged. I'm like, oh, I smell this money. I, I licked all the stamps individually and handled the addresses and I got zero response. <laughs> but I didn't give up, and I, I kept on testing, and I eventually found a solution that worked, a system that worked, and I ended up selling over 4,000 fake rocks through the Whoa. Network. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. So, and, and, you know, they sold, and this is, I'm, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old, and they sold anywhere from $2 to $5 a piece. So, I was bringing in some pretty good money doing that. Awesome. And so, what I found is that I love this marketing thing. I would do a campaign. And I was so excited when the phone rang and I was so excited to take credit card numbers. I mean, who doesn't like taking credit card numbers, right? <laughs> Guilty. And then processing them and then looking at the bank account. I mean, those were wonderful days. But the part that I hated, as soon as I took that order, my stomach would sink and I'm like, oh, 
I got to go out to my sweatshop, which was my parents' garage, and make all these things because I made them by hand, one by one by one. And I, I hated that part of it. So I loved the marketing and fell in love with marketing and testing, but I did not like uh, the manufacturing side. So I sold the business and I got on working for a large publishing company. I got in at the ground floor and they did heavy direct mail. And so I went from mailing, you know, thousands of pieces to mailing 30 million pieces a year. And I was working for the, the publisher was called the Ken Roberts company. Okay. And we sold uh, information products um, in the financial markets. And so um, I worked there for about 10 years and then I decided to get out of my own. And, and for the last uh, 11, 12 years, I've been a full-time direct uh, mail marketing consultant. So awesome. that's kind of, the, I guess, the longer version of how I got started in this business. Right. Now, when you were first uh, delving into, because I'm sure there's people of that same age listening to the show, you know, who are about to embark on a marketing career of whatever form that takes. Uh, when you were first testing out, you know, these direct mail pieces for your, for your fake rock uh, <laughs> business. <laughs> yeah. How many guys have you talked to have sold rocks to the mail? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting story. And were you taking a direction from like, were you reading marketing books and, and using techniques or, or tactics? You know, I, did, I read like an, I had read um, a marketing book. I don't remember which one it was, mm -hmm. but I remember reading about handwriting address and putting a live stamp on there. So I did those two things. That was probably the only thing I did right. right. Um, <laughs> the sales copy inside was absolutely awful. Um, and I think that's why I didn't sell anything. Right. And plus the list was awful too. I got the list at the wrong place, the wrong time, and it was not a good group of prospects to go after. So once I figured some of those things out, that's when I really started doing well. But initially I had read some marketing book somewhere. It wasn't a well-known one. I don't know where I got it, probably the library. Right. And, uh, I, and I, did, I didn't do well with my first campaign. But after that, I figured a few things out. So. Right. Now, when you, uh, I guess it was probably from that marketing book. Like, where did you hear about doing direct mail? Was that from the same marketing book? Yeah, I had, uh, and again, I don't. Even, I, sh I wish I remember what book it was. Um, it it might have been, been some kind of marketing textbook or something. Mm -hmm. But that's where I had read about it, and and so I thought, oh, I'm gonna give this a try. And it made it sound so easy. You know, it made right. it sound like, <laughs> hey, you, you send these things out, and people are, you know, a, a truck backs up full of cash. You know, and. It wasn't that way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Now, yeah, no. when you when you sort of graduated from you know working for for yourself initially, and then moved to the Ken Roberts company, and they were mailing uh, mailing so many million uh, pieces of mail, were they all up to speed on on uh, direct marketing techniques and stuff like that? And is that sort of where you got your your incubation? Yeah. Yep, they were they were very much so, and. Um, I had taken, I had very little knowledge going into it. I mean, I had some, but not mm -hmm. a lot. And that really took me to the next level. Um, and I had, there I began to realize the importance of studying direct marketing. And I remember the, the first real marketing book that I read uh, was a, a book by David Ogilvy, and it's called Ogilvy on Advertising. Right. And basically it was an introduction to direct mail, not direct mail, direct marketing, and really the difference between direct marketing and then brand, brand advertising. Right. And um, they are so different. And David Ogilvy at the time was uh, huge in the um, 
advertising world as one of the greatest sought after marketing wizard, you know, of his time. And he talked about even though he had a big brand agency, it was the his most successful campaigns were done through direct response marketing. And so that was my first book that really got me into it. And then there was a series of others that uh, led me down the path of really becoming a studier of it and finding out what are the things that really make people tick, that make it so that you can generate a response from a campaign. And uh, since then, I mean, it just fascinates me still. And I get excited every time I sit on a campaign because I get to watch and see what comes back from it. (laughs) All right. Now, were people at that Ken Roberts company, were they the ones who sort of influenced you or told you about the different books or did yes. you get, yeah. So they were like, here, read these books. Yeah. Read these books, study this. <laughs> um, I had a boss, uh, Jeff Roberts, Ken's son, who was really into it. And he was the you know real proponent behind studying these guys. And once I get into it, I didn't stop. I just loved it. Oh, right. Right. And these were all books like the Claude Hopkins and the Collier yep. and Yep. In fact, so the, the book that, uh, that you referenced earlier, the one I wrote with Brian Kurtz, um, it goes back through all the legends I first studied. Right. And, uh, and, and there's the Robert Collier, which Robert Collier letters um, is one of the greatest books ever written on direct response, direct mail specifically marketing um, and creating ad copy that really gets people to respond. That one there was, that was a real eye opener. That was one of the early books that I read that really got me going. Right. Is that still one of your favorites? It is. It is. And I'll tell you, for those who you know, are listening, if they, want to, if they really want to study, that's a book to go to. Now, I'll tell you, it's, it's a hard book to read. It's like it 300 is. pages. It's small type. It doesn't always entertain. I mean, it's, it, it's some thick uh, copy in there. It's tough to get through. But you got to pull up the nuggets. And that's what, partly you know, the book that I wrote with Brian Kurtz. I mean, it was, let's pull up the nuggets for everyone so they don't have to go through the pain of reading some of these books. <laughs> <laughs> Fight through the arcane language and so forth of the yesterday. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's fun to read too. I mean, the language back then was so different in the 1920s. So it's really kind of funny to read some of that, the way they wrote ads back then. It's really comical, but oh, it, it was very persuasive and it motivated people to respond. Yeah, I remember when I cracked into the Robert Collier book and a lot of those older books that you've written about in your advertising solution book, it what st- sort of uh, was interesting was like, you sort of saw where these things came from that you've now, you know, being not of that era, you, you know, have are familiar with through other avenues, perhaps, but you're like, oh, like this is a scratch and dent sale or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever they come from. It's like, oh man, that's, this is, this is where the stuff comes from. Yeah. You know, if I don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell one little thing that's really interesting about that. Cause you're right. I mean, all this, a lot of things we do today came from them and you've heard of the $1 bill mailing, right? Right. You've, everyone's seen that. And Gary Halbert um, was famous for that. I mean, he really pushed that, but Robert Collier was, as far as I know, the first one to ever do it. And he mailed out an actual physical dollar, dollar bill, um, in the 1930s, um, maybe it was the 1920s actually. Right. And it was for a nonprofit organization and it was about, uh, it was, it was for a hospital, you know, that supported and worked with crippled children. And the offer just asked the recipient to, Hey, here's a dollar bill. And we would ask that you would simply return it with a few more of your own to help out. And he got a 90% response rate in the 1920s. <laughs> using dollar bill mailing. But what an example. I mean, people are still using the dollar bill mailing today. 
Yeah, I've used and, it personally, uh, actually. Oh, you have? Yeah, I have. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, to sell my consulting services, actually. Awesome. And so, I'm just out of curiosity, did you know that Robert Collier was the first one to do it in the 1920s? Or did you uh, think it was Gary Halbert? I, I did know it was Collier because uh, I read or saw, I guess it must have been saw, because I don't know if it appeared in his books, but I, I definitely saw a video of Gary Halbert talking at a seminar and he had suggested reading that book. And I, I don't know if okay. he said that it was uh, from there or if he just said, you know, there's things like this in this book here. And this, if you haven't read this, uh, okay. you know, so I'd done that. It's a rare thing, but it's, it's, it's still a well and alive today, almost a hundred years later. Right. <laughs> so it's, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, a few years from now, people will still be using it. So it'll be one of those hundred year old tricks of marketing that's still being used. Yeah. Now, uh, being a direct mail specialist yourself, of course, and Brian, I think, talked about this on the, on the Takeover Tuesday podcast I did with Brian, where, you know, it seems like, for, uh, for whatever reason, I guess, because everyone's sort of rushing into the internet nowadays, that a lot of these direct mail techniques and so forth, and just the, the process of, of using direct mail uh, to solicit new customers or prospects uh, has kind of fallen by the wayside, kind of fallen by, you know, out of favor somewhat. Not with the people who are, not with the, like the super savvy marketers, but sort of with in general. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. And, and yet you base your business around uh, direct mail. So maybe to speak to that a bit of sort of like how it's not gone away and, and, and you still specializing it, but it, you know, do you think it's just been forgotten because of the, the, uh, you know, what do you the call it? Yeah. yeah well, what, one of them is a stamp. You know, I mean, people don't want to spend the money on it, right? It's, it's, you can go and send an email for free. And here, you know, with direct mail, you've actually got to pay for postage. You got to pay for printing. And so a lot of um, marketers stay away from it because there's this huge, you know, cost involved. But so we send out though, my, my company sends out over 300 different mailings per year. So that's 300 different print jobs, 300 different sets of list orders, 300 different, you know, sets of copy. It's right. huge, high volume. And, and, but the example, what I'm trying, what I'm getting at here is that there's still a lot of businesses using it. It's the savvy marketers that are right. still finding ways to use direct mail. And, and the thing is, is every, you know, fortune 500 company is using it. You know, you've got Google who at right. one point was the eighth largest technology mail in the country using it. You got online businesses like indeed.com using, it. I mean, there's just, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of these large businesses that still use it. It's more of the small business, middle-sized, you know, companies that aren't using it because of the cost or because they don't understand it. Right. Um, but the big ones are still using it and they're using it aggressively. Uh, there's $46 billion a year spent on direct mail advertising every year. That's, that's a huge number, $46 billion. So it's still a mass appeal. It's just... It, it, it just a lot of businesses aren't using it, but it's still a huge business. So it's not like it's gone. Right. It's just not as publicized as what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think maybe just people are talking about it less. So it seems like it's fallen out of favor because of the lack of chatter sort of around it, but the real people that are doing it and obviously 46 billion, there's a lot of people doing it. You know, maybe they just don't talk about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. just don't talk about it. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, the thing, let me just share one other thing with direct mail. One of the reasons yeah. why I love it is we've done these tests where we're talking about the value of a customer and how much they're worth. And I had one company where we took 50,000 direct mail buyers, 50,000 TV buyers and 50,000 online buyers. Mm -hmm. They all bought the exact same product for the exact same price within 18 months. 
Okay. So all the variables are the same. And what we did is we took those 150,000 people and we looked at the value of the customer, you know, after six months, nine months, a year, year and a half. And we found that the direct mail buyers spent three times as much as the TV buyers and the TV buyers spent twice as much as the online buyers. So we found that, you know, clearly with this sample size of 150,000 people, the direct mail buyers had a significantly higher customer lifetime value. And we found that in a lot of different niches, but that was probably the biggest sample that we've run. So even though there's a cost to getting the campaigns out and getting response, there's also a reward that comes later on um, that really gives a, a good solid reason on why people should be using it today. No, that's, that's very important. That's a very interesting uh, test results uh, that you found. Because, so basically you're, you're saying that the best customers uh, came through the direct mail solicitation. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that's important. Like you're talking about the lifetime value of the customer. That's super important. I don't think enough business owners, cause I've dealt with, dealt with them enough myself that they, you know, take that into account. They, everyone sort of quarter seems to have a sort of short sighted, you know, um, thing of always wanting customers, new customers, but they don't care where they come from. But, uh, that, I found that to be true in my own, uh, consulting uh, thing is the best people sort of came through the direct mail stuff. I went and I got leads off you know, doing these podcasts or uh, email or stuff like that, that uh, more often than not, the direct mail one won out and stay with, you know, there's better overall customer and, and, and maybe it's because they're older or more savvier. I never sort of broke it all down, but uh, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but uh, I noticed that myself. So that's interesting that it bore out over such large uh, testing samples. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, you brought up something to I me. Mean, I think age has something to do with it too. I mean, this was based off of, people who are 45 plus. So right. would those numbers change if it was, you know, 20 to 40? I, I would guess so in some ways. Right. And, and, you know, the boomers and seniors, I mean, they're the ones that's got all the money anyways right now. So mm -hmm. uh, naturally they're going to spend a lot of money. But, you know, I guess the ages across the board for this sample, they were all older, but they did prefer, you know, they did, they did spend more money if they were generated through direct mail. So. Right. Now, when you're uh, working in your own business to, to get these mailings out for the different clients that you have, are you doing the copywriting yourself or do you have a team or how does it work? Um, no, I mean, we outsource a lot of it. And then a lot of companies, they have their own, okay. you know, most of the big companies have their own in-house writers, you know, like a Beachbody or a Grow right. Financial. They have whole teams of writers. And so in many cases, they've got their own creative staff. Um, and if it's only if it's the smaller businesses, then we, then we, uh, we outsource the copywriting and, and find other copywriters to work with. Right. It seems to me nowadays, and I've talked with a couple, you know, I had a sort of a who's who of uh, copywriters and stuff on, on my show and, and on John's show and John had other people that some of them, especially the older ones seem to have an opinion that because the web is in many ways a cheap uh, media to, to put, you know, get slap up a web page pretty easily if you know what you're doing and run a sales page and so forth to it and drive traffic to it, that that breeds a markedly different uh, caliber, if you will, of copywriter uh, overall versus the direct mail, you know, sort of quote unquote old school people where your copy had to be like super tight to justify, you know, sending, uh, spending that kind of money like you're talking about on direct mail. You're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, 100%. And it's, um, I would say that um, unfortunately the online world has, has in some ways damaged um, 
the, the quality of copywriting because of you can do stuff so cheap and test so cheap and they just kind of run with whatever. Right. Whereas when you're spending, you know, 50 cents to a dollar to mail a piece and there's, a, you know, tens of thousands of them, you really have to make sure you have it dialed in. And so a couple things have happened. One, all sorts of copywriters have popped up everywhere and they may not be that good, but they can get it done online, mm-hmm. but they're not great. And then the other thing, and this is probably the biggest um, detriment to copywriters, is, is because of this cheap copywriting world and the way that it's changed, is there's no more, it's really hard to find companies that are willing to pay royalties to copywriters. Right. And there used to be this relationship where you would hire a copywriter and they would want to see you succeed. And so long term, they would get, you know, a, a, a royalty, a per piece fee oftentimes, you know, that they could receive for every piece of mail. And so it benefited them to put as much effort as they could in this piece, knowing that there's a long term relationship where they could be paid for it. And that has really gone away. I mean, there's only a few companies that are willing to pay those royalties anymore. And it's because there's, you know, 10 other copywriters willing to do it without a royalty. Right. And so it's kind of damaged that. And I'm not a copywriter. And I know know you do copywriting, but I'm sure you've probably seen it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I sort of branched out further into uh, other marketing sort of angles, if you will, and doing um, more overall marketing consulting too, is because uh, I do love doing the copy. Uh, it's fun. And I, the psychology behind it, uh, I sort of came from a different field. So I was originally, and still am a professional magician. So okay. I, I sort of came from the field of, de- of deception, if you will. <laughs> and then uh-huh. the psychology of that got me interested in copywriting. And so, uh, yeah, what you're saying is right. There are not a lot of people they're not a lot of people familiar, you know, if they're not one of those big direct mail companies like Agora or some of these ones you hear about from the past that have gone through different, you know, shifts and changed names and so forth. Yeah, there's not a lot of people that are even familiar with that setup, you know, of, right. of, of getting royalties on the back end and stuff. Uh, and so they're more resistant to an arrangement of that. And if you're, if you're good at selling, you can talk some people into, into things uh, because the value is there. If you can make that case and people will, will, can be convinced, but it is, it seems to be a dying out sort of thing. That's getting, uh, getting less and less and le- and, be, and and that has to do, I think with the less people understanding it and this lack of direct mail discussion and la- lack of those, you know, that demographic of that age of people who are familiar with all that stuff has moved on. Yep. And so you're right. Yeah. And so that's why I sort of stepped into more of a, a broader marketing aspects, which still really involve all copywriting principles, but just applied dif- a little bit differently. Now, because you've been in this quite a while, what sort of advice do you have for freelance copywriters who are maybe looking for clients in regards to using direct mail? And maybe, because uh, it sounds like you are more on the end of ha- having to deal with copywriters as more of a client than a, you know, doing copywriting yourself. And That's we right, sort- I don't do any copywriting. Myself. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we sort of always hear from the copywriters and we sort of all, you know, on the show a lot, we've We've talked about some of the horror stories and how to protect yourself as a copywriter, as a freelance copywriter specifically, and maybe talk from the other perspective of like, you know, having to work with copywriters and stuff, maybe some of the things you don't like or uh, some of the trouble spots that you've encountered mm-hmm. uh, to sort of inform copywriters about how they, how they should conduct themselves. Wow. I've been really fortunate. I mean, I've really gotten some good writers that I've worked with. 
I think that the downfalls are those that um, the one the one areas that I've gotten in trouble most with copywriters is then they I ask them the question how long can you try to piece and they say three weeks uh, for a short letter and then I say okay and I go tell the client that and then it it turns out that it's six weeks and I get this creative process and I'm 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 okay with that um, but I've had some writers who have taken you know twice the time I've had writers where the piece was going to be done in three months, which is a generous amount of time. Right. And it was nine months. Wow. And it really makes you look bad as a, as a consultant when I'm trying to help you know, find that with copy. So I've really, I try and stay away from people who I've had those kind of experiences with. But I think it's just do what you say you're going to do. If you're going to have it done by a certain date and time, then get it done by then. Right. And if you cannot do the job in the amount of time that's needed, then, then don't take the project on. Or be upfront about it and say, hey, look, there's no way I can do it in this amount of time. Right. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's probably one of the biggest tips I could give. I think the other one, too, is um, I always like to tell copywriters, you know, and not everyone does this, but I like mm-hmm. to tell writers, they'll say, well, how many pages do you want? And I'll say, well, <laughs> write as many as it takes to get the job done. Right. If it's a two-page letter or four-page letter and you feel like you can say everything you need to say to give it your best self metrics, then I'm okay with that. Right. If it's 20 pages, I'm okay with that. But I think one of the worst things we can do as businesses and business owners is to tell a copywriter, I don't want a two-page two letter. Well, maybe that's not enough space for them. Right. Or maybe it's too much space for them. We have to let the copywriter do their job because they, they know how to write and persuade Mm-hmm. Let's not mess with that process too much. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a very good point um, because there, you know, if you're a capable copywriter, you sh- you will be able to ferret that out very quickly in regards to doing your research as to where this might go in terms of the volume of, of material that you're going to have to use to persuade someone because it's going to you know become from their market awareness and, and the awareness of the company that you're you're writing for and what you know who that person is or what the service and product is and all that kind of stuff and then you'll quickly get a, a feel i think for um how long that piece needs to be right exactly well i think those are good tips and i we um i appreciate that because we do hear a lot from this side of the of the fence so to speak for complaints about clients and so forth uh i felt like to some degree we're probably bagging on clients and, and we sort of talk about gary howard's uh, you know all clients suck sort of mantra uh, right. you know what if you manage what i find is if you manage the the, pro, the project right from the beginning meaning you're very transparent of this is how long it's going to take me Here's the process I'm going to go through. The clients don't suck. You know, yeah. clients suck. Things can go away. <laughs> right. But you've got all up to your part of the deal too. I mean, how many? I mean, I can't count the number of writers that say that they can't get into the, you know, the writing thing until it's the deadline, right. and they wait till last minute to start because they feel like that's when they work best. Well, that's not fair to the client. No. And that's why they say the client sucks. I mean, instead, be honest with them. Say, hey, it's going to take me six weeks to write this letter. And maybe it's only going to take you five, but add an extra week in there so that you can make sure your job is done. You know? Yep. yep so absolutely. Clients don't always have to suck. <laughs> no, they, no, they don't. And that is an important thing. It's like you should be, as a copywriter, you know, uh, padding that time uh, that you act in terms of the time you actually need versus the time that, you know, you're going to say you need because you want a buffer zone in there so that you don't make a mistake like that and, and end up breaking a deadline. Uh, because then it's a chain reaction. Like you said, you're going to, if they're working with you, you're going to go tell the client that this is when it's going to be done. And especially when you're in your business of primarily direct mail, 
that's a really massive deal because the cost and everything of getting all that together and, and putting it out is, is pretty significant. Yep, exactly. Well, that's great. I think, uh, I think you've given people a lot uh, to go on here today. You've been uh, very forthcoming and, uh, and with Thank all you. your information and stuff. And it's been a real uh, pleasure having you on the show. Now, if people want to get this book, The Advertising Solution, Craig, where should they go? They should go to thelegendsbook.com, thelegendsbook.com. And what's really cool is Brian and I have put together an amazing um, resource package uh, free resources that you get if you buy the book. So all you have to do is go to the legendsbook.com. It'll tell you how to get the book. It'll also tell you how to get things like a, a swipe file that goes back a hundred years. Nice. Um, how to get access to a special um, edition of the scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins. Um, and we're going to give you some live videos, some rare live videos. Some of them have never been shared to the outside public before with Gene Schwartz and Gary Halbert. So you get all those things free. If you go to legendsbook.com, follow the directions, and it'll walk you through how to, how to get access to everything. That is awesome. That's awesome. I was lucky enough to get an uh, advanced copy from uh, Brian, but uh, I went ahead and purchased anyways and got those extra resources. It's a great book. It does pull out all the nuggets. You sort of highlight you know, the six uh, sort of famous copywriters in history and ad, ad men that are the best of the best. Uh, and who's, you know, who's your personal favorite of the people, the six people that you highlighted in there, were you most influenced by one or the other? Or? I would have to say, well, my favorites are David Ogilvy because of it. He's so colorful and unique right. and brilliant. Um, the other one is going to have to be Robert Collier, just because mm-hmm. even though his book was very thick and hard to read, he was just a master of persuasion. He knew what to say to get people to respond. You know, he got started selling coal. Coal was his first right. thing that he sold, kind of like me with rock. Right. But uh, coal, I think, is even harder to sell. Yes. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. And so he found out how to get excited about that to sell coal. And so I think he, for me, is a real hero. I mean, he was he had it dialed in. So I would say those two guys uh, be my favorites. Awesome. Now, if people want to get in touch with you directly uh, to talk about perhaps, you know, getting some direct uh, mail done sure. or, or whatever, what, where should they reach you at? Uh, they can go to my website and there's contact form on there, phone numbers on there. It's simpson-direct.com, simpson-direct.com. Um, or if they just want to know more about direct mail, I've got another book called The Direct Mail Solution. That's the one I wrote with Dan Kennedy. You can get that on Amazon. So those are a couple different ways to, to get in touch with me. Awesome. Awesome. You know, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today, Craig. Likewise, I've totally enjoyed it. And this has been a fun conversation. So thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again. Uh, For everybody else listening, this has been yet another exciting edition. And I hope you uh, take some real nuggets that Craig has given you away from this and improve uh, every aspect of your marketing, whether it is you're using direct mail or not, and you probably should be. Uh, but also, you know, the tips and stuff about offers and copywriting are, are pretty timeless and, uh, and usable in every media. So for everyone who's listening, we'll be back again with another edition of the podcast and another exciting guest next week. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.
Por eso...